0: Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Town Royalty Show. I am your host, Tony Zipteris, and we do have a Sacramento Kings podcast for you today. Can you believe it? I know it's been a while. Uh, sorry for the... I don't know what's the word for taking time off, because I didn't really take time off. Sorry for the sabbatical. Is that the right word? That... that I don't know. That might be the... Uh, that might mean something else, but... Anyway... Um, I did record a Kings podcast. That's the point. And we're going to get to that in a few minutes here. I do have a couple podcast housekeeping notes I wanted to get out of the way first. So if you want to skip ahead, and I don't blame you for doing so, I probably would do the same thing. You can hit the skip ahead 30 seconds button. I don't know. Let's say if you hit that thing six times, it should take you to my conversation with Jill Edge on the state of the Kings right now as we wind down the 2018-19 NBA season. It's always a good time talking to Jill. So again, press the 30 seconds ahead button six times right now, and that should get you to my conversation with Jill. Before that, um, some news, some good news and some, uh, I, I wouldn't call it bad news, but some change in news. Let's get the uh, good news out of the way first. So, good news. The Sactown Royalty Show, as you know it, has officially joined the SB Nation network of podcasts. I know to uh, most of you, if not all of you listening, you probably thought that this podcast was already associated with SB Nation, and it kind of was. I mean, we posted it on Sacktown Royalty, of course, uh, for all 100-plus episodes we've recorded so far, so in that sense, it is a very much an SB Nation podcast, but now SB Nation has made it official, and we've joined on with their network. Um, what does that mean for you, the listener? Not, not a great deal. Nothing's really going to change. Um... In a, in a major way, one thing that is changing, and I haven't been told that this needs to change, but I'm not an idiot. I can kind of uh, read between the lines here. And that is, we're going to have to go with some uh, royalty-free intro and outro music for now on. That'll be a, a challenge for me to find some good stuff. I know I've spent the past, I don't know, last couple days going through a bunch of royalty-free um, audio, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Databases of just thousands and thousands of royalty-free music and sounds that I'll be able to use on the podcast. Um, It's been hard finding something that I really like. That's why today I'm giving you what the royalty-free audio database is calling 80s Vampire Car Chase. I don't know. It kind of sounded funky. I I don't hate it. I don't love it. But it's what we're going with for at least episode one under the new, uh, new audio rules that I am placing on myself. It was probably time to get rid of the, um, the licensed music because that was never totally on the up and up. Uh, shout out to Africa by Toto though. You're the best outro music a podcaster can ask for. I don't know how, we, how we will ever replace you, but for at least today, the eighties vampire car chase beat is going to have to do. The other change is that we're having, um, hopefully, and I know this is not a great, this is not great for the listener, but for the podcaster, uh, someone who hasn't done a very good job marketing the podcast, we will be having uh, a mid-podcast ad, which is something we've never done um, here on the show, and I know ads are kind of whatever, like nobody nobody likes ads, I don't like ads either, but I think getting ads on your podcast is a, it's a positive thing. You guys don't have to interact with the ads or or whatever, I mean you can if you want to, that'd be great too, but... I take it as a good thing. The more ads we get, it means there's something here that that people are willing to uh, give a little bit of money to. So I'll take that too. You can probably expect one ad at the beginning, one ad at the end, and one ad somewhere in the middle. Not sure exactly how that's going to break down, but something to, uh, I wouldn't say look forward to, but something to look forward to. Like it's going to happen. You have to look forward to it, but I'm not saying you need to be excited about it. This also means you'll probably be getting more podcasts, which I I think is a a positive thing. You could also be getting different podcasts from Sacktown Royalty somewhere down the line. We're in the very early stages with uh, SB Nation in in terms of building what Sacktown Royalty is going to look like in podcasting. And there will be some other stuff to talk about with regards to this change uh, at a later date when it actually makes sense to talk about them. And I'll probably do that on the podcast here like I'm doing this right now. Um, Last thing, now that people are paying attention to the podcast a little bit, if you wanted to leave a review either on iTunes or any of those other podcasting apps you might use, now would be a, a great time to do that. I don't know. It always feels weird asking somebody to review your podcast, so you also don't have to do that, but if you're on iTunes right now and you're bored and you want to go to the podcast app and review the Sacktown Royalty Show, that would be great, too. I wouldn't say no to that. Uh, okay, let's let's hear that, uh, what is it called again? Let me pull up my notes. Let's hear that um, 80s vampire car chase royalty-free beat again, and when we're done with that, you'll be listening to me and Jill Adge talk some kings. Joining me on the Sacktown Royalty Show this week, King's season ticket holder and friend of the show, Jill Adge. Jill, thanks for taking some time out of your day to talk Kings with me. How are you?
1: It's going good. We got a win last night, so I'm happy.
0: <laughs> yeah, what's that? They swept the Mavericks on the season, right? I think, I forget the number, but it was the first time they had done that in a lot of 21 years. 21 years. 21, 21 wow. years, That's right? A lot and years.
1: normally we're on the opposite end of that, so it was nice to be like,
0: yeah, yeah, right. King's Absolutely. breaking records in the good direction <laughs> instead of the bad direction.
1: Yeah. Normally it's like, oh, we haven't won in that arena in 17 years. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's nice to actually be on the other end of some sort of like crazy. Yeah.
0: I will say there was, um, I was watching the game last night and I'm probably going to mess up this guy's name because I've only read his name before last night, but there was that guy, I think his name was like Ryan Brokoff, and he. I think he hit like two threes, and I started looking up his career mm-hmm. high because it just seemed like that's the kind of player that's going <laughs> to break a career high record against the Kings tonight. He didn't do it. He got like 17 points in a game last week, but that's what I was worried about.
1: Right? He, I figured it was either going to be him or it was going to be him or Max.
0: Yeah, something Maxie, like that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so here we are. We're recording this podcast on Wednesday, March 27th. The Kings defeated the Mavericks last night, as we talked about. Uh, bringing their season record to 37 and 37. They're five and a half games out of the eight seed with eight games remaining. So they're technically not eliminated from the playoffs yet, but they would need a real miracle to get in. They need the Spurs to lose the rest of their games and them to win the rest of their games, basically, which is not really going to happen. So assuming they don't make the playoffs, what do you think held them back from grabbing that eight seed? Because at the trade deadline, they were uh, a few games out and they were a buyer at the deadline for the first time in a while And I'm not going to say the Harrison Barnes trade didn't work, but Vlade's maneuvers didn't work in the sense that they have fallen out of the playoff race instead of getting even deeper into it after making some win-now moves at the deadline. So in your opinion, Jill, uh, was there anything the Kings could have done differently here? Um, Or was this outcome kind of just missing the playoffs inevitable, even though they did approach the deadline as buyers with a goal of making the playoffs this year?
1: Yeah, I, I think it, what it kind of comes down to a lot of it is the youth of the players just in multiple factors. And I've seen it a lot said uh, the the Shempert trade, you know, ruined the chemistry or why did they even do it? And I, I get why they were doing it in just based number-wise for what Burks was doing in Cleveland and prior to that in Utah. I mean, they were saying Cleveland didn't even want to get rid of the guy because he was playing so well. So they obviously thought that that you know he could be a consistent bench guy, my guess, helping bogey off the bench, and we saw kind of saw that his first and second game here, and then after that kind of trailed off um you know, and that can happen after trades, but I also think it showed the youth in maybe their mental like mentality where Schumpert was such a big part of of um I don't know if you want to say like the core or maybe attitude or energy of the team that mm-hmm. it took them a little bit to try and kind of get out of that funk. Um, but again, you have to be able to kind of make these trades and things, you know, during the season um, and for years to come. So, I mean, maybe this, it sucks that we didn't make it, but maybe this was a way to get that kind of learning experience out of the way. Cause eventually it's, you know, more moves are going to happen. I mean, that these guys are going to have to uh, figure out how to do it on their own. I also, um, it was said, too, from the Mavericks side that they wanted Shumpert in the beginning, too. So even though you can say you don't like the Shumpert move, you don't know that it wouldn't have happened to get Harrison Barnes in the first place anyways or that, you know, we could have had Barnes and Shumpert still here. So I do think regardless, he would have been gone. But unfortunately, we are seeing some some little effects where it's you have guys that are behind the scenes that have more of impact maybe than some people might realize. They say that a lot about Frank Mason as well, that he's behind a lot of the the energy and, you know, keeping guys upbeat and fresh and things like that um, when things are going a little rough. So getting rid of those kind of guys can hurt you. But again, I don't. I think if they had the choice to make over, they'd still do it, you know, and hope for a different outcome. But, again, I I still think they did the right thing. Um, unfortunately, the Clippers and the Spurs went on ridiculous hot streaks, and the Kings did it. Uh, the Kings had a, that streak of really top-tier tough teams um, and kind of showed their youth again and lost it lost a lot of these games at the end, making, you know, um, young mistakes that you kind of hope that eventually they'll start learning from. But again, when you're playing, you know, the Warriors, the Bucks, these top-tier teams, you you almost have to be perfect against them to beat them. So when you do make any of these kind of mistakes, it will end up costing you. And again, you just hope that as time goes that they learn from this and and can keep going. But the fact that I'm still, that they were even this close and they're at 37 wins to me is just, is, is crazy in itself. So, I mean, I know a lot of people are pissed, but the fact that we're even in this position, I think, is a huge testament to these guys and the coaches. So,
0: The the Schumpert second guess is, is interesting because I think it's kind of legitimate. Like, if you are a big believer in what Schumpert did in Sacramento— and you look at that trade and you see that Alec Burks can barely get off the bench. It's a really easy second guess to say, well, why didn't you just keep Shumpert? And you're, you're, you could be totally right in that the Mavericks would have demanded Shumpert if Shumpert was still on the roster. That's totally possible. But I also think, you know, yeah. let's look at what Shumpert is doing in Houston and he's playing very poorly over there. And, right. you know, part, part of why Burks Ber- has looked so bad, I think, is because he hasn't had an opportunity to play. And I'm not, um, sure. I'm not taking the blame off of Burks. He had some opportunity to prove that he could do anything, and he really didn't show anything in his minutes. But the, the third player in this, like, Shumpert-Burks thing is Corey Brewer. And the real reason why I don't think the Kings have missed Schumpert on the court is because Corey Brewer has outplayed all of those guys. Brewer has outplayed both Shumpert and Burks. So while Burks is stuck on the bench, the yeah. Kings did bring in another guy into the equation, and Corey Brewer has who has outplayed both of them. Now, it's impossible to... When I say Brewer has outplayed both of them, I'm, I'm talking about on-court stuff. It's impossible to say how much Iman Shumpert's uh, impact in the locker room has, has... Like, they've missed that. That's a legitimate concern, and... That's one of those what-ifs that we could never even, like, project to know how much value oh, is there. 100%. Um, yeah. But I would say, like, if if this—if Shumpert—if they never made that Burks trade, which is, again, a real legitimate second guess, I think. But if they never made that Burks trade, is the outcome any different this season? And I highly, highly doubt it. Because, like you said, the Spurs— And more so the Clippers, who I think we were all expecting to drop out after the deadline, after they moved to Bias Harris. Like when the Kings made their moves at the deadline and the narrative started to shift towards, well, hey, maybe the Kings are actually going to make the playoffs here. I think a lot of that optimism was because of the other assumption that now the Clippers are going to tank and drop out. And if the Clippers had done that, the Kings would be in right now, but the Clippers never tanked and dropped out. And that's credit to them. I mean, they've got what is probably the coach of the year on their roster and probably the sixth man of the year, too, in Lou Williams. So
1: They have, you know, bets on their roster that were never going to allow that to happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have Beverly, you know, who's going to be playing for a contract. You have Lou Williams who's just gone crazy. You know, and then you have their big guys. I mean, it's just... Yeah, I mean, and they got the Lakers big guy. I mean, it's yeah, they they did improve. And even with the Philadelphia, um, they still got good players back. It was, yeah, but they I think they had that core vet group that was like, we're, we're not throwing in the towel. What are you talking about? Yeah.
0: But, you know, there is there are fans that are upset at, at missing out on the playoffs, and I understand that too. And in the interest of treating this franchise now, as they've proven over the last whatever 37 plus 37 is, for most of this season – that we can kind of treat them as a real NBA team and not this like kind of weird Kings like team that we make fun of. If we're going to treat them as a legitimate playoff team or playoff contender, I think we can also uh, show some uh, legitimate criticism towards what they did in the second half too. And I do think the Kings have made, did make some errors that made their record maybe a couple games worse than it could be. I do think Dave Yeager clearly made a mistake when he, put uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich in the starting lineup instead of Nemanja Bielica um, and moved Harrison Barnes to the four instead of the three. At the time, I was on board with that move too, but it's hard not to look back now and say that that was probably not the right move for Dave Yeager to make. Bogdanovich has struggled basically all year, but even more so since the deadline. Um, I do think a legitimate second guess could be why hasn't Dave Yeager... Promoted Marvin Bagley into the starting unit ahead of Willie Cauley Stein who hasn't been very good since Iman Shumpert left um, I know after the Iman Shumpert was traded Willie Cauley Stein was the one who came out and had kind of the most devastating comments towards that trade So it seemed like that loss of Shumpert may have hit him more than the rest of the roster That's me speculating. I, I, I don't who knows, but Willie Cauley Stein even made comments been as good. about
1: Jackson leaving too. Yeah, so yeah. Willie
0: Cauley Stein was really connected to the guys who left for whatever reason and, you know, that's not excusing his poor play either, but his numbers have gotten worse and Bagley's numbers have gotten better. So, you know, a, a, another, again, another legitimate second guess could be maybe Jaeger could have done something there and, and given Marvin Bagley some run with Nemanja Elites in the starting lineup, maybe that would have changed things. Um, so there are there are things, and I do think Dave Jaeger, you know, in other areas has had kind of a some weird rotational stuff during the second half of the year. Um, again, maybe it doesn't change the outcome completely, but... I do kind of want to start talking about this team as a, a, a real NBA team and a real playoff contender. And if you're going to talk about a team like that, then, you know, it's, it is fair to start looking at, like, specific moves the Kings made. Whether it's, you know, players making bad decisions or a coach making a bad substitution or, or rotation right. decision. And, you know, start looking at that stuff critically because it, it matters now. For a long time, it didn't matter that, you know, it didn't matter that Dave Yeager started Zach Randolph for most of the games last year because the Kings weren't going anywhere. But now you can look at a guy like Willie Cauley-Stein and you can say at the end of the year, well, the Kings maybe shouldn't have started and played this guy so much because looking back now, you know, they're only a couple wins away from that playoff spot. Maybe things could have been different. So, but but again, like you said, it's been a great year. I don't want to put too much emphasis on those minor critiques, but the Kings haven't played this flawlessly, I guess is my point either. Um,
1: yeah, I'd, 100%.
0: It's kind of also speaking towards what the Kings did at the deadline, uh, but with a specific player. How do you think Harrison Barnes has fit in to the Kings roster and the youth movement and the play style since he came over here from Dallas?
1: I think he looks great. I honestly love him for the team right now. Um, I think he fits that tall three that we've been looking for where you can even stretch him to the four, depending on where you've seen You know, late in games where it's been um, – Fox, Buddy, Bogey, Barnes, and Bagley, you know, we've seen it at times, um, I think it gives you a lot of versatility. Uh, I think going forward, if we can work it where we can get him on that smaller, long-term deal, um, I ultimately think that will help Bogey as well, um, not having to play out of position so much. Um, I know people were really worried about him being like a black hole or a ball hog. I haven't seen that. In my opinion, I think he has totally come in, adapted to the style. Seems to have a lot of fun doing it. Um, he's played great defense, and uh, yeah, I just think he's he's managed to fit in really well. And if you can get him, you know, on a smart, longer-term deal, I think he's a good fit right now for this team. He's still young, and he can run, and he can he's shooting threes. He's posting up, you know, when he's finding mismatches, things like that. But I don't think he's taking anything away from this team right now.
0: Do you think he uh, opts in or opts out of that $25 million player option this summer?
1: I think he opts out if there's kind of a mutual understanding of a general idea of a deal being done.
0: Yeah, no, that one's I'm right on the fence on that one too. Like, I could see it going either way completely. But I do think it's only been 20 games. But he's averaging the, the lowest amount of shots per game he has since he was in Golden State, which is what the Kings wanted. Or I shouldn't say that's what the Kings wanted, but that's what people, you know, like me and you who are watching the Kings are hoping that he comes to Sacramento right. and accepts a reduced role. And so far it, it seems like he has. He's shooting uh, three less times per game than he did in Dallas. He's got a, a career high in assists through the 20 games he's been here in Sacramento. Um, his three point percentage is still at 40%, which is, you know, a great number for any player, a great number for Harrison Barnes. And it's weird. It's one of those things where you see all the criticism of Harrison Barnes before he gets here. And then you watch him on the Kings. And I just didn't see any of that. Like, I didn't see any ball hogging at all. I didn't see any unwillingness to pass. I didn't see any, like, I don't know, any questions about his defense, any questions about his rebounding. Any questions about his ability to play both positions? He's been a perfect complementary piece, and I keep, you know, kind of pinching myself a little bit and reminding myself that it's it's only been 20 games, and there is something in the back of my mind that says, well, you know, he's a he's clearly a great locker room guy. Like if you hear him talk, it really sounds like he should be like the next Richard Jefferson or something in terms of a guy who transitions from the NBA to like a. a some kind of media job because he's very, very mm-hmm. well-spoken. And um, I don't know, he just seems like he, he knows the right things to say and when to say them. So I've also loved everything that's come out of his, his mouth this season, uh, pre- and post-game or whatever, or after practice. It's all been great. I guess my only worry is sometimes guys get traded to a new team mid season, and it's really easy to fall into the groove of what that new team is already doing, and you kind of like step back and not put your print on – uh, the, the strategy too much, but maybe with a full offseason with the team and a full training camp with the team, I could I could possibly see him reverting back to, quote-unquote, some of his old ways only because as you get comfortable, you kind of settle back into who you were um, or, or yes, that can Yes, but happen. I think
1: that the talent is different here than it was. It definitely is. Mean? I just think what he was being asked to do totally. compared to what he was asked to do in Golden State, compared to what he got paid to ask to do in Dallas to me, our, our lineup is more of the golden state where you have, to me, a lot more talent around you. Definitely. No offense to Dallas, but um, so I th- I think that might have been some of the, the force issues um, where they paid me all this money. Maybe they told him he had to go out there and be the guy. And now he can still get paid and not necessarily, you know, have to force and can kind of just fit in. But again, yeah, like you said, we'll see.
0: Yeah, no, you're you're totally right and it it certainly seems like that's the way it's going. I guess the only reason why I bring up that uh that bad side of the coin is because I cannot wrap my mind around how how bad people were talking about him coming into Sacramento and how good he's looked while he's been here. I just like the difference between oh, yeah. what we were told Harrison Barnes was and what Harrison Barnes has been is is huge there's a ma- a massive difference in in the guy we were sold and the guy that's here and the fact that vlade made that trade essentially giving up nothing i'm still kind of waiting for that other shoe to drop i guess is the best way i can put it which is why i bring up the point that hey maybe next year he won't be as good because right now the way he's yeah. playing and the fact that vlade gave up justin jackson and nothing else to get him seems a little too good to be true but hey we'll en- i'll enjoy this harrison barnes uh while he's here and hope that this is the guy the Kings have not only next season, but if they do extend him, like four years, 80 million or something like that would be fantastic. So keep up the good work, Harrison Barnes.
1: We are so used to the other shoe dropping. I totally get it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, if that's not how you look at things as a Kings fan, I don't know how you've been watching this team for 12 years. <laughs> Another player I've already talked about a little bit in the podcast, but I'd like to get your take on him. We've talked about him all year, probably been a topic on every podcast we've recorded because He's had the most interesting contract situation heading into the season. And now we're finally at the end of that contract for the most part. Uh, all right. Willie cauley What's his future here? Is he is he coming back next season? If he is, at what number? Do you let him walk? He's a very interesting player and an inconsistent player. And his play is as inconsistent as how I view him because I change my mind on Willie cauley uh with his ups and downs. What do you think?
1: That's kind of my first comment is it's still a question mark in my opinion. Right. We learned nothing. And I think along with us, I would imagine that the front office has gone back and forth about him during the season based on, you know, how well he was playing at the beginning of the season. Then kind of what we were hearing during the trade deadline where they were, you know, supposedly, you know, shopping him around. And then now you see that, you know, the end of the season where he'll have these monstrous games and then the next game zeros across the board. Um, at this point, all I can hope is that they have a number, not a crazy number, but a number that they're going to stick to and not, and not go over. Um, but I one of the things that you know, there was a article yesterday that came out. I think it was yesterday, and Vladdy made some comments again about he could see Bagley playing small forward, you know, down the road and all that. So as much as I think Giles and Bagley have, you know, and improved and shown that they are they're there, they're really close. I don't. I think Bagley's obviously much more there than Giles. I still think he probably has at least another year to go before we really start seeing total consistency even though he's been so much better as the season's gone um I'm just leery about who you put around that would hinder any kind of development but if they keep but if he keeps saying that he sees Bagley as a three and not as a power forward or a center then to me maybe they really are still sold on on Willie being the center. I, I, I honestly don't know. Um, and I think we've seen with injuries too, with Bagley's two injuries this year, that, you know, anything can happen and how important it is to still have, you know, productive bigs around you. But it's, it's so hard to me to give him a number when he's having his career best year, but it still feels so inconsistent. You just don't know 100% what you're going to get.
0: I think I'm finally ready to move on. Uh, at some point, if you're inconsistent for four years, I guess that's just the player you are. You're an inconsistent player, and I don't think the Kings can can uh, again. I'm starting to change how I talk about this team and how uh, I grade this team and how I think about this team because they've proven now that they should they should get a little bit more um, I don't know serious uh, criticism in the sense that you know maybe an inconsistent Willie Colleystein is a fine center for a team without playoff playoff goals or or without an upward trajectory I don't think Willie Cauley-Stein is getting much better from here I mean I'm sure he'll get a little bit better as he as he gains more experience but I just don't he, he's not a player that I would give any kind of real long-term money to when the the ceiling for this team I know you know I would never say the ceiling for this team is like a, a the next Golden State Warriors but I'm not the one that has said that. Some some much uh, better NBA insiders right. and writers have made that comparison before, that not necessarily th- they're the next Warriors, but they can be that next young core that makes it to the, the top level of NBA competition together as, as a as a young team to an older team. Maybe the the uh, Denver Nuggets is a better example. And I don't think you get there by signing a player like Willie Colley Stein to big long-term money when we've seen what uh, Marvin Bagley certainly, but I think even Harry Giles in the second half of the year, yep. specifically when Marvin Bagley was injured, really showed me something. I think my opinion on Willie Cauley's sign was different at the beginning of the year before we knew that Marvin Bagley and Harry Giles were going to be as ready as they are. And I'll even say, sure. you know, all the credit in the world to Nemanja Bialica. Who would have ever expected that that guy would be the starting power forward for the Sacramento Kings? basically uh, from the beginning of the season to the end. It was a small stretch where he uh, fell out of the rotation, but for what he's making, which is about $6.5 a, a year, he's been a great value for the Kings. And I don't think, you know, I expect him to be the same player next season too, and I, I just don't, I don't think they need Willie Colley stein anymore with his inconsistent play. I don't see anything that he's doing right now that Harry Giles and Marvin Bagley can't do, uh, probably at a higher level. And certainly with more energy and enthusiasm and effort. Um, so that's that's my take on Willie. Now, I mean, I've gone back and forth all year, and I'm finally set on. I just rather I don't think I'd, I. I I just don't think he's a he's a big money player for a team that's trying to win games, and the Kings should be trying to win games.
1: I mean, all you hear is oh, he's so athletic. He's so athletic. He can do all this, you know. And we yes, we see it, which is why we get so frustrated when you do see the flashes of it. But we still we have so many guys that we drafted together or signed together that are gonna be needing money together at the same time yeah. that it scares me too to spend so much on that knowing what we're gonna have to spend in the next couple of years. Um, that I would hate for that to be, you know, a hinder on, you know, keeping or or hindering us from, you know, being a mover a couple moves away still. Um, I think you've seen in the successful teams out there that you can have guys that, that can just, you know, slide in when we have Bagley and Giles and things like that, that I still think with Fox that you have to spread the four out more and Harry's getting better in a shot. And we've seen Marvin be able to stretch it out. I still do think that when you have. um, Willie and Bagley or Willie and Giles together to a certain extent for longer periods of time, it does affect Fox because their guys are in the lane and not moving. I, I just think you need you need more bigs that are going to stretch the floor, and that's just not willing. No matter how many times they do the pick and rolls and the dunks and things like that, I just think you still need to concentrate on on stretching the floor out. Especially with the way that the, the league's going, and you've seen that you can have, you know, random guys just come in and fill those holes. Hell, Costa has been sitting for, you know, over half the year, and, you know, he still manages to come in and be productive. It's just, I I think that they need to focus more on stretching it out. If you really want Fox to keep taking those next steps up, you you can't, you can't have guys that, that can't stretch the floor. Unfortunately, Will is that, that rim runner guy.
0: And Dave Yeager has made that very clear. I mean, the fact that he's starting Bielitsa again, from beginning season to the end shows how much he values having at least one of those, those bigs as a shooter. And I think, that's how the Kings should approach right. this summer. It's Marvin Bagley starting in the front court. Let's figure out who's that starting with him. They
1: still get for less.
0: Yeah, and that guy that has to be a shooter. Yeah. So they should be looking to upgrade on Bielitsa. Still keep Bielitsa on the team, ideally in a bench role. But they should be looking to upgrade on the Bielitza spot. And Bagley is yeah. already the upgrade to the Willie Cauley-Stein spot. So I'd look at guys like Paul Millsap, like uh, Nikola Mirotic, Nikola Vucevic. Guys that are, are big but can shoot the ball, too, because, like you said, the, the right. Bagley-Willie-Colley-Stein lineups have not been great, and Bagley has to start next season. He just has to. You can't keep him on the bench again, and if he's not right. going to start, and, and is, is Willie going to play, uh, play off the bench? Like, how is he going to accept a bench role? Who knows, but I certainly wouldn't pay him a lot of money to find out. I'd want to know that before I pay him the money, and it's too late for that. So.
1: And I think that that's kind of part of the issue we're seeing with Jaeger right now. Playing him is is maybe they're not doing it because they're really just trying to figure out at the end of this year is it worth or is it worth it or not? I mean, it, you know, they could be doing keeping him in the starting lineup, still trying to make that decision. That's the only thing I can come up with.
0: Yeah, and the, besides the, other... the
1: fact that I know he loves <clears throat> to bring the guys slowly along, but I mean, at some point, yeah.
0: And the the last part of the Willie Cauley-Stein discussion really is that, you know, his number may come in significantly lower than we all think it might. I know Zach Glow uh, yesterday, he was just kind of throwing around numbers on Willie Cauley-Stein. Yep. And he mentioned that the Kings shouldn't even keep him for $9 million. And when I first read that, I did pause for a second because that seems like a pretty reasonable number for, uh, again, Willie Cauley-Stein's not old, like a 26, 27-year-old um, athletic, young, uh, rim-running center, even as a bench center, 9000000 million doesn't seem like a, a crazy amount to me um, for a backup big that you're playing 20, 25 minutes a night. But even at $9 million, which is a, a reasonable number, he just doesn't, like. I, like we were talking about before, I don't think he fits in this front court really well anymore at all. You really need another shooter in there. You don't need a guy that is so locked in the paint. And then, again, with his plethora of other issues on defense on the glass it just seems like there should be free agents out there this summer that they can find in the front court that will fill uh the particular spot they're looking for which should be uh, a stretch guy who can who can play big next to marvin bagley next season and, and willie Colleystein just isn't isn't that guy
1: i'm with you yeah i, I still think and if you want to go the you know the rim runner route because i you know that is needed um I do think that there are guys you can get for less.
0: Are you at all worried about uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich's down season?
1: I'm not really worried. Uh, to me, I think we've seen flashes of, you know, the bogey that we know. But I also don't think he still is fully 100% from when he got injured during the preseason. And I think that kind of happens a lot anytime you see an injury during the season they're normally not out as long as you, you know, we're getting the time as much as you would if you were in the off season. still. plus it's a knee injury coming back into this kind of pace. I just don't necessarily think that he might, you know, just be a hundred percent there. I could be wrong, but um, I just don't, I don't feel that his legs are totally there yet. Um, I also think it hurts that we play him at a position a lot. And we're asking him to go against guys that are, you know, with a two, three inch difference. And that might not seem like a lot, but on basketball court, it's a lot. I also think that, you know, with moves we make during this off offseason, um, I think that will help him out. But uh, overall, I'm not really worried. He's been playing the game long enough that I still think that he'll be fine and figure it out. But to me, what's crazy is is we're saying how he's having this down year, even though not his shooting numbers, but his overall numbers, his his percentages are all up. He's averaging 14 points a game, 3.8 assists, and 3.5 rebounds. If nobody knew who Bogey was, they'd be saying, oh, wow, that guy's having a good season just based on his his numbers. Um, but again, his shooting percentages are down. And I think there are times a lot where he's over dribbling and kind of forcing it. But too, a lot of it is when he's doing that is when we're in our, our scoring droughts and things like that. So whether you want to say we're in our droughts because he's over dribbling and the ball's not moving. Okay. Um, or you can say that, you know, he's trying to, he's trying to be a vet and get out of it. But I just think that he's been playing the game long enough and he's still young that, and I'm taking into the fact that he had an injury, you know, during preseason and going into the year that I, I don't think that we should be worried. I just, I don't.
0: Yeah. I'm not, I'm not really worried either. I'm a little bit concerned about the shooting because, you know, some guys have a good shooting year, which Bogey had in his rookie year. And then they aren't, aren't as good ever again. Uh, I think Bogey has a pretty good track record as a shooter. So I'm not expecting that, but The knee injuries, I do think, is, like, if you're looking for a reason for why this went the way that it did, that does make the most sense to me. I'm not saying that's the only reason there could be other things at play. Like, he just, I don't know, maybe the Kings gave him too much responsibility too soon. I think, like you sort of mentioned, more than any other player in Jaeger's rotation, Bogdanovich has been shuffled around the most. And maybe that's because they thought that he could handle it. And I think he handled Mm -hmm. it pretty good last year where he, was a, he wasn't a starter, and then he was a starter, and he was handling more of the ball, and then he was off the ball. He was handling a, a lot last year, and I think, you know, Jaeger maybe pushed him to a, a limit this year in terms of his versatility that he can't handle anymore. And maybe they've learned that, and maybe next year they'll kind of reel it in a little bit. Um, but I do think there's enough reasons to... Not be worried, and I think you you laid them out pretty good. It, it could just be the knee injuries. It could just be the the constant you know reliance on his versatility. Maybe he's actually not as versatile as as we thought. Maybe he should he should just play, you know, a combo one two mostly two. Maybe the king should go out and sign, you know, a, a real point guard this summer instead of kind of that combo guy like Yogi. Maybe that will help take some load off of Bogdanovich's shoulders. Um, there's a lot of a lot of factors that play with with why he could be struggling, but I do agree with you that for whatever reason I'm just I'm not that concerned because if you asked me like do I want Bogdanovich on the court the answer is still yes despite his poor shooting numbers I still think he's been one of the I don't know five top five kings on this team despite the fact that his shooting numbers are are pretty bad compared to last year. And so, even
1: then to me I don't even think his shooting numbers were even that bad. It's just what we normally expect from him. Yeah. Again. And and I think too, he said he's never played at this fast a pace before. And these guys are getting more shots than, you know, maybe you might see in a normal game. So if he's missing more, that can also be, you know, have a heightened sense. But I still think he's still in that kind of transition, too, where he said he's, you know, for as long as he's been playing professional, this has still been a learning period for him where he's never had to play this kind of style before.
0: It does seem like, at least for the benefit of him, that it that the Kings should kind of sit him down and give him a defined role to focus on this summer. I know he bulked up a lot in the offseason last year, maybe because he thought he was going to be playing more 3 Uh, then he he ended up playing because of course the injuries and then Chumper kind of took the position and he kind of got forced to the bench. So I do think, you know, at this point in his career coming off of what was a a down year for him, but like you said, maybe not as down as the narrative would have you think it might be time for the Kings to kind of give him a, a little bit more structure in terms of his position, where he's going to be playing, what his responsibilities are at least for next year. So he can kind of get his shot back, his shot selection back on track, his over-dribbling back on track, that could that could be a, a real benefit to him. And also, of course, a healthy summer to train and get better is is huge. And he hasn't had that as an NBA player yet because he came in here in his rookie year after playing a bunch of international basketball, already on tired legs, season ends, back-to-back knee procedures, and now he's back to playing. Yeah. That really doesn't give you any time to work on anything. So I'm actually looking forward to seeing uh, what Bogdanovich looks like next year after some rest and some real off-season training. Uh, that should be good for him.
1: Agree. And I, because I still do think he does fit in well with what this team is trying to do. Oh, yeah. I so, love Bogdanovich. Yeah. I'm not looking
0: to move on from him at all. Uh, not at all.
1: Yeah. But I still think, yeah, that he's young enough. For, and I have seen on my time, like, oh, God, I'm ready to get rid of it. I, I think that, at least as of now, I think that's too rash. I, I, I'm not there.
0: All right. Last topic for the podcast today. Dave Yeager. Um We've talked a little bit about his rotations and some of his issues this year. Also, some of the things that he's done that has helped the Kings uh, reach the success that they have this season. I'll ask it to you this way. How confident are you in Dave Yeager as uh, not only the head coach of the Kings moving forward, but how confident are you that the Kings will reach some sort of contract extension with him this summer? Because he only has one year left on his deal. That would be next season. And you very, very rarely see an NBA coach heading into their final year under contract. You usually see a coach get fired by then or extended before then. So what do you think the Kings have uh, planned for Dave Yeager this summer, if anything? It's
1: no secret. I mean, I'm a fan of the guy. I hope the Kings do extend him. I see a lot of the, you know, the Curran Jackson comments. But I don't think we're at that point yet. I still think there, there's development to be had if you want to make that argument. I don't think we were at the point of what Golden State was at. Our guys are still way too young that this is the first year they're learning a new system. So you're telling me next year after learning a new system and it, you know, actually working um, that they're now just going to throw a new coach in there? I'm not 100% sold on that. Um, I still think there's plenty of foundation that you can lay before you make that move. Um, to me, you saw what happened when, you know, when a guy like Shumper got moved that I don't fully hundred percent trust that, you know, that wouldn't happen if, uh, if you brought in a whole new staff here. Um, he's been the most successful coach we've had in over a decade, you know, and I also remember when, People called when Adelman was here when we had a best record in the league and people were screaming for him to be fired. I just, to me, it's a, a lot of the fan stuff that, you know, there's people that just aren't going to be happy with him, you know, regardless. A lot of the stuff about this summer is if, if Vladdy's going to get extended, I could see Jaeger getting extended, but I'm also not sold on who, we don't even know who necessarily who's going to be available as coaches either, That that who's available now there's not really anyone that i'd rather have than what we have now um unless maybe you could say you could take any you know spurs coach and throw them in there just because that's usually a pretty good um track record but again it's i'm so leery of what the lakers are going to do and i know that they're king's people that really are fans of luke walton
0: yeah, um, there's some other scary
1: name, there's some other scary names that are that have been thrown around that I'm not even gonna, that I'm not even going to bring up mm-hmm. um, that just don't even make sense to me. I think that these guys have done everything they can to to earn the shot going forward. You know, I'm not saying it's the total long term solution, but I don't see why you would necessarily um, break something up that. We're showing improvement it's not like we're seeing stagnant you know we're not seeing decline I think there's plenty of opportunities where we've shown that players and coaches still have things that they need to work on. and I don't think that's that there's always going to be things that are going to be you know second guessing or wishing they did something different no matter who you bring in here you're going to have people in you know, thinking that so I still would like to see these guys give an opportunity to keep growing with this team and and seeing what they can do. Now, if they start showing that, you know, these players aren't improving or the system's not working anymore, okay, you know, then I think you'd have more of a valid reason than, than going crazy now.
0: The Dave Yeager stuff is interesting. I definitely think that he should be the coach next season and seasons after that, depending on, you know, what his contract looks like. But I do, I I am concerned that this could blow up in the summer. And um, Sam Amick hosted a chat on The Athletic yesterday. And I asked him, uh, you know, what his thoughts were on Dave Yeager's future in Sacramento. And he said right now he'd put it at 65-35 in favor of the Kings keeping or offering Dave Yeager a long-term extension this summer, which is not, you know, not the best, I guess, or worst ratio I've ever I've ever heard of, but I I certainly don't like uh, that 35% chance uh, speculation by Amick that this could kind of go sideways. But hey, everything we've heard out of Sacramento is that the Williams and Jaeger stuff is not resolved. I haven't read one report, heard one thing that said these guys are all good now. That has not happened. It's
1: it's slowly being, yeah, slowly being resolved. And
0: And you know, if things were good the Kings would make sure all of us knew because they they love saying that things are good when they're good. The fact that no one has come out and said things are good now, we're friends now, it's all great, means that it's not. I mean, that's a pretty clear read-between-the-lines situation there because the Kings— We the, we
1: wouldn't be hearing other coaches' names if it was fine. <laughs> right,
0: right. Um, so, you know, that, that mess there— is still a, a gigantic concern heading into the summer and who knows which way it was going to go. I will say the fact that Luke Walton is probably going to be available this summer does scare me because I think Vivek could get sold on someone like Luke Walton, you know, very easily. And I think the connections between Vlade Divac and Luke Walton are obviously there. Um, so that, that they name, yeah, yeah, that name more than any yeah. other name does concern me and it does make me you know, worried that the Kings could think, well, we can play hardball with Dave Yeager right now because if, God forbid, something happens, then, you know, we know Luke Walton is is kind of there. And that's, you know, I'm totally just talking. There's been no reports that things are that, you know, far down the line in terms of what the Kings are thinking with Yeager or Luke Walton. But that that Luke Walton name should scare you. And I don't even think Luke Walton is like a, a bad coach. He's had a rough year in Los Angeles, but... Would I take him over Jaeger? Absolutely not, especially with what Jaeger has done with this roster. And I think you bring up a good point, and, and Greg brought up the same point um, in a post yesterday, that I'm not saying Dave Jaeger is above any criticism. I'm not saying Dave Yeager has been a perfect coach, and I'm not even saying that Dave Jaeger is going to be the coach to, to take this team to the next level. But, like you said earlier, there's more levels to go before they find their finishing coach if it comes out, and if it's if it is proven that Dave Yeager is not the guy to take this team into you know deep playoff runs, that that's possible. That could be true, but it's not time yet. We're not there yet. Dave Yeager deserves a a longer run with a roster that is finally able to compete with other NBA rosters. Because you know when he when we brought him in here, the goal was win with Demarcus Cousins. That goal changed after like two months, and it's been uh, losing ever since he's finally got a roster of his players playing for him. We heard De'Aaron Fox last night after Dave Yeager took that technical for him that, you know, like I'll, I'll pay half the fine or whatever that quit was. Um, he clearly has the locker room. The, the young players have clearly developed under him and his coaching staff's watch and, you know, have your conversations about criticizing Dave Yeager, criticize his rotations, criticize how he can sometimes, uh, be a little grumpy with the media, and you, you can criticize all that. All that's fine, but once you get to the point where the king should fire him or get rid of him or he shouldn't coach the team next season is where I, I disagree with any any of those uh, critiques because he's he's done nothing but earn himself more time and not giving him that time, whether that's because the Kings just want to move on and don't like his fit, which is not... Not something the Kings wouldn't do. That's literally what they did with Michael Malone, where they fired him because of style. They didn't like how they were playing. Um, so I wouldn't put it past the Kings to get rid of him for, for a stupid reason. But if the, if the real reason is just uh, dysfunction in the front office, that would be a real shame. So I'm hoping that gets resolved, and I'm hoping Dave Yeager is on the sidelines again for the Kings this season. Um, because I just right. think he's earned it. I just think he's earned it.
1: And it's one thing if if he chooses to go where you know he doesn't want to deal with the drama or you know, you know Minnesota is always the one because it's close to home or whatever. I can live more with him leaving over us actually getting rid of him. I mean, right? Um, yeah, and and for, and I people need to to realize too that you know we were close this year, yeah, but there were. There's a lot of teams that, you know, dealt with injuries, dealt with trades and things like that that were kind of in the same boat that are going to be better next year. I mean, the fact that we're in the West, it's it's so hard where, you know, if we're in the East, we're in the playoffs, you know, mm-hmm. um, that I don't see anybody above us falling off, and I, do, and I don't see teams below us getting worse. So... um you gotta have someone that's gonna be there that that keeps developing these guys. He's proved that he can develop them. you know, I guess we'll see if you know he can keep developing developing them. but I, again, I'm still leery of bringing in a new coach and then bringing in a new system when you're still trying to set a foundation for these guys.
0: All right, Jill, thank you for joining me on this episode of the Sactown Royalty Show. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on the internet?
1: on twitter at jill
0: edge okay jill thanks again for jumping on the podcast with me. thank you <laughs> bye